Welcome to the Immortal Souls Podcast. Being a history nerd, one thing I love about producing this podcast is the opportunity we get on a regular basis to really dive into some obscure and sometimes outlandish stories about shoes and sneakers, their beginnings, and how they have wound their way through cultures, movements, and lifestyles up to the present day. We can strongly confirm that, as the saying goes, truth is often stranger than fiction. Our story today takes us back to the Soviet Union. We'll take a look at government-produced sneakers worn and loved by Russian commandos. Put on your Ushanka and join us, comrades, as we discuss what some consider to be the most iconic bootleg shoe of all time, the Adidas Makbuz. To provide a little historical context to our story, on November 7th, 1917, Vladimir Lenin and his Bolsheviks stormed the Winter Palace in St. Petersburg, Russia, and toppled the post-Tsarist provisional government. This bloodless coup d'etat known as the October Revolution, or in Soviet bibliographies as the Great October Socialist Revolution, ended Tsarist Russia, secured all political power for the Soviets, and ushered in a nearly 70-year period of highly centralized, communist-led government known as the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, or as most people know it, the USSR. Fast forward to the 1970s communist Russia where our story begins. This was the beginning of the end for Soviet Russia and the USSR, as the Soviet Union would fall just over a decade later in December 1991. Many vestiges of the old Soviet Union were still in place during the 70s, like military parades rumbling across Moscow's Red Square, long lines to receive food and other basic commodities, communist flags flapping in the wind, and propaganda posters hung from buildings and walls, Soviet-built Lada, Moscovich, and Volga cars crowding the busy streets, and a heavy and pervasive presence of the infamous KGB. Soviet Russia's internal security agency. In sharp contrast to the tightly controlled, government-monitored way of life, the younger generation, perhaps in a subtle or not-so-subtle pushback against the old regime, started craving greater liberties, experimentation, and individual expression than what was currently afforded them under the communist regime. The Soviet youth became mesmerized with Western culture and commodities, which, up to that point, were extremely scarce to find in the Soviet Union. Thanks to bootleg Western movies, music, TV shows, and sports broadcasts, Soviet youth wanted to look like their Western film icon and rock star idols. Things such as blue Levi's jeans, corduroy, leather jackets, and Adidas sneakers were highly prized. Despite the government's effort to ban or make scarce these immoral and capitalist symbols of the bourgeois West, which was the opposite of the communist ideals the government mandated its people to adhere to, people still found ways to get their hands on these items. However, by and large, Western goods were extremely scarce and ridiculously expensive. In 1975, the Soviet government tried to curb this thirst for Western goods by producing its own goods such as denim jeans. Compared to Levi's, however, Soviet denim was nowhere near the quality or craftsmanship of the Western jeans. The same went for other commodities, such as sneakers. 
What it came down to was that if the Soviets wanted to produce goods matching the quality of Western goods, they needed a Western factory with Western machines and Western tools. Where to find such a factory? Along came the 1980 Moscow-hosted Summer Olympics. Now, this was the Olympics boycotted by the United States and 64 other countries due to, among other reasons, the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan months earlier. The shoe giant Adidas had paid a pretty penny to be the official supplier of the 22nd Olympiad, which means it would supply much of the uniforms and shoes for several Olympic teams. Understandably, the massive boycott was extremely problematic, as Adidas found it tough to secure sponsors, which put Adidas in danger of not cashing in on the games and taking a huge financial hit. Even West Germany, where Adidas was based, was participating in the Olympic boycott. Well, Adidas wasn't going to take these circumstances lying down, so it was time to cozy up to the now very valuable Soviet government and its Olympic team. Predictably, the Kremlin had a long list of specific demands if Adidas hoped to be Russia's Olympic supplier. First, Adidas had to get rid of its three-stripes branding so West German capitalist products would not be shown in photos or videos of the triumphant Soviet athletes. Next, Adidas shoes had to modify the three stripes to form instead the letter M to pay tribute to the host city, Moscow. And last... If Adidas wanted to be the Olympic official supplier, it had to produce its goods on Russian soil. That meant that not only did Adidas have to set up a factory in Russia to produce its shoes, but after the games, the factory, along with most of the production tools and machinery used, would have to be left behind in Russia. Well, the Kremlin pinky promised to Adidas that it wouldn't use any of the left-behind equipment after the games. But as soon as the flame was doused and people headed home, there was all of a sudden an empty, perfectly serviceable Western factory with the ability to crank out Western-grade shoes. What? An empty factory? In the Soviet Union? Just sitting there, idle, not turning the wheels of industry or furthering the glory of the motherland? Well, that certainly needed to be dealt with. As we all know... The Soviet Union and state-run factories went together like bees and honey. And here was a perfectly capable factory waiting to further the industry and glory of the communist state. Well, despite all the winks and backslapping and promises and handshakes extended to Adidas, as soon as the shoe company packed up and headed back to Germany after the Olympics, the Soviet government reopened the factory and got immediately to work cranking out blue and white three-stripe sneakers within weeks of the Olympics ending. For all intents and purposes, these were Adidas shoes coming from an Adidas factory in everything but the name. What to do about the blank heel tab, though? Easy. Just throw the word Makba on it, which is the uppercase Russian Cyrillic spelling of the word Moscow. Problem solved. Obviously, the Soviet government wasn't too concerned with any lawsuits from Adidas, so... At this point, the Makbas were born. The Makba shoe fell somewhere between the Adidas Campus and Gazelle models. But interestingly, instead of hitting the Russian consumer shelves, this shoe had a different destination. The Russian military. While in Afghanistan, Russian standard-issue military gear, and especially the boots, which were called Yuft jackboots, 
were woefully ill-suited to the uneven mountainous terrain and for the guerrilla-style warfare being waged. By all accounts, the boots were noisy, restrictive, and uncomfortable, and definitely not suited for the Afghan mountains. Aware of this fact, the Soviet government allowed certain smaller units, often special forces such as paratroopers and Spetsnaz spec op forces, to procure their own footwear. These groups ditched the boots and opted for much more lightweight and versatile footwear, such as sneakers. Well, the Makba fit the bill perfectly, as it allowed the wearer to more effectively wage guerrilla warfare by being lightweight, agile, and quiet. Apparently, the government thought it would reflect poorly on its soldiers if pictures leaked of them wearing tennis shoes, but a few photos do exist of these Russian commandos wearing the bootleg Adidas. The Makbas gained a prestige and cult following in Russia due to their affiliation with the commandos, as well as their semi-secret nature as photos or press of the shoes was scarce. People started associating the Makbas with the Russian special forces, similar to how we might affiliate beards, t-shirts, sunglasses, and ball caps with U.S. special forces. These Russian Adidas had a built-in cool factor and made their way into things such as video games and toys and later movies, such as in the 2005 Russian war film The Ninth Company. Makbas continued to be produced and used by the Russian military after the wall fell, and all the way up until around 2011. Russian soldiers still wore the sneakers pretty much up until this time. Now, Adidas Makbas are considered collector's items, and if you want to pair yourself, good luck, as they are quite difficult to find. Your best bet is to scour eBay, Google them often, and keep tabs on Russian military surplus websites. They are highly sought after, so you may need to be patient to snag a pair yourself. Just for kicks, I googled them a couple days ago, and I could not find any pairs new or used for sale. And that brings us to the end of our little story of the Soviet commando-wearing bootleg Adidas, a symbol of Western capitalism appropriated and used by a communist regime to spread communist influence abroad and becoming, once again, an object of capitalist desire. Funny how things have a way of coming full circle. As always, спасибо за то, что вы Thanks for listening. Russian towers about the Americans. It's a true case of David and Goliath here. I must break you. Derek, I'd like you to meet Katinka Inga Borgovna. Nah, nah. Russian whiskey. What's your name? Chanko? Chirpov? Ensign Chekhov. Pavel Andreevich. How do you Soviets deal with all the tension and stress? Vodka.
Russian communication. Jeez, shh. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought you said. The week is long. The, the silver, silver cat feeds when blue meets yellow in the west. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Thank you for checking out this episode of the Immortal Souls podcast. For show notes, more information, pictures, or just to say hi, check us out at our website, immortalsoulspodcast.com, Instagram, or Facebook. Five-star reviews are hugely appreciated and super helpful. Until next time, keep walking the roads less traveled.